Hello, we are the Manic Street Speakers and we love hoovering. Coming up, we give our track-by-track -track first impressions of the band's 14th and some would say most melodic album, The Ultra Vivid Lament. But first, let me introduce you to my co-host. Most people, when they hear the date September 11th, think of a tragic event that changed the course of the world. But I think of a date as being the origin of someone who changed the world for the better. Yes, we're recording on that date, and yes, it's her birthday. It's Emma. Hey, I'm an old woman. So how old are you, by the way? Oh, I, I am now 39. So I'm in the last year of my 30s. Now, when I was 29, I I made I didn't write it down anywhere. I just made a little like mental list of the things I wanted to achieve um, before I turned 30, or certainly like you know by the end of my 30s i've achieved none of them so <laughs> i'm not doing that for my uh, my 40s i'm just gonna be like there's a list of things i want to do but they're things like go on holiday to a certain place and eat at a certain restaurant i am not doing the like big old i will get married and have children well i'm certainly not gonna have children now i've probably dried up i'm a husk <laughs> I would have loved it, but you know. <sighs> That's Emma, 39, dried up husk. My ovaries just release dust these days. Anyway. Hello, carry on. <laughs> You're probably wondering who the host of this podcast is. And I can tell you, he is the man who joined me for a pre-birthday Mannix watch party, during which I discovered two important pieces of information. He will not eat cold broccoli, but he will insert the word flange into Manic song titles for comic effect. It's Mikey. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, Radio 2 gig that is now on iPlayer, for those who don't know. Um, we did a WhatsApp watch party. There's got to be a catchier title than that. WhatsApp watch party. WhatsApp watch party. Uh, me, you, and your friend Kirsty. Yes. And yeah, it was basically between, like admiring how good the band sounded and how good the new songs yeah. were it was basically a conversation about broccoli and ice cream it really was um well but to be fair nicky was dressed as an old-fashioned ice cream man uh in his in his stripy uh jacket and there was a lot of conversation about mr whippy <laughs> yeah well that's it you and kirstie tried turning it into a sex line conversation about james and nicky sometimes i mean that just happens occasionally i can't help it this is one quote S serve me your magic whip wire. <laughs> I'd like to point out that was Kirsty. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, in Manic's world, it's all going on, isn't it? Obviously, the new album's come out. They are playing real-life actual gigs. Um, actual gigs with actual people. With actual them. people in them. Um, on the Friday of the album's release, they played Halifax Peace Hall. Finally! Yes, they've only been waiting 9,000 years for that. <laughs> And the week before, they played uh, headline Victorious Festival in Portsmouth, Camper Calling. And they also did that Radio 2 concert that we are uh, WhatsApp watched. We WhatsApp watch partied. But before we delve into the album, we'll do a couple of quick pieces of news. There's been rumours about Know Your Enemy reissue. Yes. And we thought it might happen this year. If it is happening, I don't think it's going to happen for a long time. Because it seems like Nicky is just surrounded by tapes and CDs in his house and nothing's come of them. But they have mentioned that they're, if they do plan to re-release it, they'll probably do it in the way that they intended to originally. Like um, one album called Solidarity and one called Door to the River. One more hard rock and one more like acoustic experimental side. I'd like that. But again, it's then the rewriting the history. It'd be interesting to see how they initially planned it. But... Yeah, there's there's an element of that, I suppose. But I, I think it's a tricky one because with any album, um, you know, there's obviously extra songs written that don't make it onto the album. They end up becoming B-sides and there's a lot of material out there. It's why so many artists end up doing these sort of like hidden treasure albums. Um, and obviously we've had Lipstick Traces and that was kind of similar. But I, I feel like it's an interesting way of going back and looking at it like, oh, well, this is a different way we could have presented it. And 
it's I would view that as standing alone. I wouldn't necessarily view it as a as a know your enemy reissue. I'd view it more as a, oh, no. so this is what we could have won. Because they're such a, a retrospective band in the way they look back and analyse themselves. Mm. They, you know, they're never pleased with their previous album, are they? No. So that it's probably their way of viewing, like, well, we're just going to do it differently. Mm. It, it's not maybe it's not how us fans view it because obviously us fans are much more attached to certain albums than they are because they just yeah. go from one album to another. So it'd be interesting. But as you said, like, a, um, about new songs, apparently there's two songs he's found that haven't been released. One's called Rosebud, and one's called Studies in Paralysis. Rosebud I've heard of I'm sure that's been mentioned before I in like corners of the internet yeah I don't know I know what corners you go into the internet <laughs> whyawhippy.com <laughs> again Kirsty <laughs> alright you're the you're the more the James man jamesjelly.com I am I'm, I'm not ready for the JDB jelly I'm yeah that's very much me in other news Nicky News of course um, his solo album which is, again, he says this, modern electronic soothsaying solo album. He's saying he has recorded it, but he doesn't know what he's going to do with it. This is his quote. Whatever, whatever, I might bury it in a fucking pond somewhere. I might burn it. I might do it mail order. I might do it on Bandcamp. It's very fucking fragile. It's got some very off-kilter modern jazz and some C86 indie vibes to it. I'm excited for that. But what's he going to do with it? Is it going to do like a treasure quest? Find it in a bin somewhere? If he did an, a, like a treasure hunt for an album, I mean, you're talking to somebody who did an escape room for her birthday because I love puzzles. And I feel like if he did a treasure hunt, I would I would be there. I would be I would scour in bins if I had to. Randomly. I, to do with bins, yesterday... <laughs> right, I was taking my dog out for a walk yesterday and my neighbour walked past me. And I was like, oh, hello. I had my earphones in like I usually do. And he went, hi. And then just in front of me, he had a whole loaf of bread. And he placed a loaf of bread in the public bin. Oh. Even though his house was about 20 yards away. I, I, I'm going to, we're going to go down this road. I hope you're ready for this. Because I have a bin story too. <laughs> And this is this is a, this honest to god this happens and me and my mum are so perplexed by it. We walk our dog as like you've just said you walk your dog we walk our dog and every Thursday we see this woman walk down there's like a little alley well it's like not really an alleyway it's like um a little footpath through through some trees from where her house is to a public bin and it's just like it's not a skip it's just a normal size bin and it's every thursday because our bins go out on a thursday but every thursday she comes to this little bin with carrier bags of rubbish and then just stands and deposits things individually into the bin from the bags and then puts the bags in and then goes back to her house that's mad it's really weird and i'm like it's bin day why haven't you put your rubbish out for the bin, men? Why are you bringing it in carry bags and then inspecting it as you put it in the bin? What's wrong with you? What are you putting in the bin? And it's, it's, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that it's been going on for so many weeks and we've been perplexed by it for so long that when we saw her this most recent Thursday, we were on the other side of the road and when she'd gone, I literally legged it across the road to try and look in the bin. <laughs> And unfortunately, it was quite dark in there and I couldn't see really what she'd put in there. But I was like, for God's sake, what is going on? And um, yeah, why would a person do that? Answers on a postcard yeah, from a young man. <laughs> from an old man putting a loaf of bread in a bin. Let's step into the new album because guess what? The Manics have released a new album. You are having a laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm staring at it. I, I got myself a present um, a few months ago. I ordered the signed deluxe version. Did you find it because Nicky put it in a bin somewhere? Personally, he put it in my kitchen bin and I was like, well, cheers, Wire. I'm just going to dig that out, give it a little brush off and uh, play it. <laughs> Next to the ice cream in the bin. Next to the ice cream. <sighs> All right, uh, let's step into the first song. Still snowing in Sapporo. 
Yeah, I, I bet I'm about three full listens, yeah. Yeah, and I the first time I ever listened to this album at all, I was in my car, because I, I just really like listening to an album for the first time in the car. I don't know why, but I was driving and I was listening. Um, when I first heard the very few first seconds, I was like, is something going to happen? <laughs> it's a bit slow. But when it kicked in, fuck me, I think this is my favourite song on the album. I really? Love it. Yeah, or certainly one of them. I'm not going to say the absolute favourite. There's about three vying. Um, the up-tempo parts, I just think, are so beautiful. And if you're a Manix fan, how can you not be affected by these lyrics? So obviously, Nikki getting emotional and looking back at time spent when the band felt like, to quote the lyrics, it was four of them against the world. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's a very Nicky thing to do, isn't he? He, he, mm. he likes nostalgia. He, if he's not writing about nostalgia, it's boredom. Yeah. But, but... That's a theme on this album. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I think he's done it before, though. I think a bit of rewind the film was a bit like that. Yeah. And things like Mr. Carbohydrate and all that. So it's, it's, it is a thing that runs through his writing. Um, yeah. I, I was... It reminds me a lot of 1985. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like musically it's got that nostalgia and retro for Manic's past because I think it is very like 1985 and also but lyrically it's talking about the Japan tour 1993 um, it's you know it's literally paraphrasing um, from despair to wear yeah. um, so yeah that's all wrapped up and also that's another thing it reminds me of a bit like the, the beginning of this sullen Welsh heart well it reminds me of something and um, it's interesting you saying both of those because neither of those are the song it reminds me of. But for, I'm going to ruin it for you. Go on, oh, please, Next go on. Next time you listen to it, yeah. it's still snowing and south, south Yorkshire. Oh, God. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, if S.Y.M.M. was a good song, it would sound like this. Now you... I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now you say it. Yeah, I can. Place that. Mm. Yeah, every time I hear it, it's, I just go, oh, oh, where have I heard that from? Oh, that's... <laughs> but I actually like the ambient beginning to it. and. I get it now. The first time I heard it, I was like, oh. Because it's, um, I think it's interesting you compare it to 1985 because 1985 is one of my favourite mm. first songs on an album. Me too. Yeah. Because it just kicks in, boom. This is what we're doing on this album. Ta-da! And I don't know, there was some... I was like, oh, this is quiet and very nondescript. What's what's about to happen? And now I've heard it a few times. I, and I know where it's going. I love it. But I think that very first time I heard it, I was like, that's a, an odd, quiet way to start an album. But then when it kicks in, it's like, oh, this is a wicked way to start an album. Yeah, I like... I, to be honest, I quite like the ambient beginning. Um, <laughs> it's very well produced but and then if you have you heard the demo yes see to me emotionally i think the demo connects with me a bit more because obviously that i think the the production is so shiny and synthy and polished yeah it may take away a bit of that and i think the emotion comes a bit more and and the not regret because i don't think i don't think the song is about regret it's, it's remembering yeah. good times but that that feeling i think is captured more in 
the demo, but obviously for this album they're going for a certain sheen of a sound and synths yeah. and, and yeah. bands they've been influenced by, so I understand why they do it. But mm. yeah, like the first two listens, I, I wasn't sure about it. It's like, it's a long song. Mm, and, it is a long song. And I think it's growing on me. There's something that maybe because it's, to me, in my mind, it's still quite similar to 1985, mm. that I'm comparing them in my head, and I think 1995 wins. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's interesting because 1985 is, like I said, one of my favourite opening songs on an album of theirs, and I really love this. So I'm I'm I would be very torn if I was asked to judge between them. Um, and I don't want anyone to think I really hate the slow beginning now <laughs> because <laughs> it's just that first thing of when you first listen to it and go oh. Yeah, okay. but this this is um, the this is the thing. It's like we have. I think I've had three, maybe four listens. You've had three. These yeah. th- these things will like evolve in the next few days. Yet alone, mm-hmm. you know, years and stuff. You you're always going to, of a band or artist you love so much. You're always going to form. You'll you'll have certain prejudices, won't you? And yeah. and over time, with more listens, that will mm-hmm. change. There's going to be, I know there are songs on previous Manix albums that, like, first listen, I've gone, I'm not keen, and now love. And yeah. vice versa. There's songs that I've gone, oh, that's so cool. And then this is rather shameful. <laughs> but when you look back on an album, and it's like an obscure album track from 10, 12, 20-odd years ago, and you haven't listened to it for ages, I go, oh, how the fuck does that go? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. You know, so, I mean, I'm a terrible fan, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Whatever your initial views are, they're, they're going to um, evolve. And because we're mad Manix fans, even if we our first impressions of this album wasn't very strong, we'd still listen to it and listen to it. Because oh, we're fans. I mean, as it happens, I really like this album. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. All right, uh, song number two, Orwellian. I'm obsessed with this song. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Um, I am completely obsessed with this song. I loved it from the second I first heard it as a single, and I I, oh, I just I, I can't really put it better words. When you hear that bass bit leading into the chorus, yeah. I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna just say every time the Manix put out an album, I know I said this to you in our watch party the other night. Every time the Manix put out an album, they're like, oh, well, it sounds like this, and it's always nothing like what they said. <laughs> but there's been a lot of it's very inspired by ABBA, and I get and I think that's one of the reasons I really like this album because I'm a huge ABBA fan, and there's so many songs on this album that I'm going, yeah. Well, I was going. That's what I was going to ask you. Can you hear that a lot in the album? I can hear it on certain things, especially Orwellian. But yeah. Oh, there's so many bits. I mean, I will I will refer to them as we go along. Um, But yeah, Orwellian. That little bass intro into the chorus is very Abba-esque. That's my that's my favorite bit of the song. Yeah. It's. I love it. And then the chorus just like soars, and it's so recognisably manic and it is great fun to sing along to I am just I'm a bit obsessed with this song no that's good um to me uh, it wasn't something that excited me when it first came out and I think it works better in context than the album mm. because you know the feel of the album more and you know the sound they're going for so it's it's it flows better within the album mm. um yeah I, it, it's still it's. I think that's something that's growing and growing on me, and especially after seeing that performance on the Radio Two show the other night. It sounded really good live. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, there was always that thing. Uh, we discussed it when it first came out. The the. Oh, some people say Orwellian as a title in two thousand twenty one is a bit naff. Um, mm. Or also the whole like middle ground type thing that they're going yeah. for. But it, I mean, it's. It's a banger in the sense that it's catchy, isn't it? It's so yeah, catchy. It's, that's it. I mean, it. You know. Yes, you could question the lyrical content. You could question the title, but in terms of sounding quite anthemic and being a banger live, like you know, I've heard them do it live a couple of times now, various sort of um, places, and I, I just really like it. 
Okay, the secret she had missed, or he had missed? He had missed. Okay, the secret he had missed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the shared verses in this work really well. I find it very catchy, and this is another song where the ABBA influence is massive. Right, on that, on, on that, it's the, it's the Waterloo piano, isn't it? Yeah. Which I think, once, once you notice that on the second, properly notice that on the second or third listening, listen... Mm. Towards the end, when it properly kicks in, you yeah. know, when there's no vocals going over it, it's good. But once you hear it throughout the whole song, I think it's a bit overused. <laughs> I get that. I can understand why. I I really love that it's there because it feels like an Easter egg. It feels like, <laughs> hey, we said we were influenced by ABBA. Have you spotted it? <laughs> And I, because Waterloo is one of my favourite ABBA songs, like I said, I am a huge ABBA fan. Um, I just really, I, I like hearing that. And I like, it's got a kind of typical soaring chorus. And I think it would probably um, be good to hear at gigs. I mean, they did it at the St David's Hall thing that we watched um, with a different singer. And it, it, it sounded good. I would say it's not as instantly anthemic as I think Orwellian is. No, um, I love the verses. Mm -hmm. I properly love the verses and the chugging bass line to it. And I really like Julia Cummings' uh, delivery. Yeah. Because it's quite unusual. It's not. It's it. It, is. it sits funny in the song, and I like that. Um, do you know what's a letdown? I think the chorus is a bit of a letdown. I think it's it it. Yeah. It builds to something, and the chorus is just a bit stagnant. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, actually. It's because, I don't know, I like it. I do like how it slots together, the chorus and the verse. But I know what you mean, because the verses have got a, like, oh, I'm not quite sure the direction this is going in vibe to them. And I think part of that is because of the delivery of the lyrics. Um, so, yeah, I know where you're coming from. But because it's got Abba Waterloo... Yeah, because it's got Waterloo in it. <laughs> I still like it a lot. All right. Um, the next song, I wonder if you're going to think the same thing about it as I do. Quest for Ancient okay. Colour. Um, it's very musical theatre, isn't it? It is very musical theatre. It's a bit Joseph and the Amazing Technical <laughs> Images remain themselves. I explode and turn up galaxies. The boys of summer adopt and gone. Girls in the summer dress have flown. Is particularly like it's like James. I think they kind of quote it in the song. It's like James playing a bad actor in his own West End production. Yes. I, 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 I literally, the first time I heard it, I pictured him just sat on the stage with a spotlight on him. <laughs> I'm gonna be very brutally honest here and say I find the opening line like I had a very bad dream. Yeah. The main actor in it was me. Really cringe. It just sort of jars with me, and I don't know why. It's not a very manixy no. line. No, and it's not the first time, spoiler, uh, it's not the first time on this album there are bloody unmanixy lyrics. Oh, uh, speaking of which, I didn't touch on it in the first song. Mm. Uh, the line that really grates with me, make up running eyes. Yeah, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. It just doesn't um, scan. It doesn't fit. If you no. say, if you say make up, uh, you know, polished eye. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, there's, just... there's probably a way they could have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, and also, it's another one of those um, songs. And this is, whereas after a couple of listens to Still Snowing in Sapporo, I was like, yes, I understand why it starts very stark 
and very quiet and slow and then it sort of kicks in I find this one it's very quiet and stark at the beginning and I'm not sure I get the I'm not quite sure of the words I'm trying to come up with here <laughs> but where, where it's sort of like I love the chorus I'm not such a big fan of the verses is what I'm basically trying to say uh, because I am a musical theatre fan as well God I'm a fan of everything today um, I am a musical theatre fan and I love the arse <laughs> beg your pardon <laughs> I really love the arse um, I just love the here's what I discovered yeah ah! I just really like it, but I the the beginning is just there's something very unmanicsy about I had a very bad dream. The main actor in it was me. Yeah, but and then, uh, was it my my scream last? Oh, I can't remember the words. I know what you mean. But, it's all very it's a bit sick form poetry. Sorry, but here's the thing: I really like it. Do you? And it's I mean, a, it surprises me because you know when you're hearing that first verse for the first time you're just going what on earth is this because <laughs> it's like yeah it's like they've gone amdram yeah uh, but it's it's so catchy it's so positive it's so mm. out and there sorry carry on and they're so out there and 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 different from from them that mm. uh, if they if they're trying something different that I'll go along with them for it. If I if I get to the end of the song and go, oh, no, didn't like that. But they they've tried something different, and half that the is... fan base are going to go, that is shit, and half the fan base will be like, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, it's funny because like one of my one of the things I literally just said is it feels very unmanicsy, and that's not the reason I dislike it because I do like to hear them try and do something different and go in a different direction. I think it is literally just there's something about those opening lines that I just find slightly jarring i can't describe why it is i'm just like when i hear it but like i said it kicks into that chorus with those backing vocals and i bloody love that yeah. i'm very much here for anything with a with an r or a la or a sing-alongy bit also uh you're i've heard in, i've seen in reviews i've not heard them because i read reviews um uh -huh. Some some reviews have mentioned Billy Joel. Now I'm I don't know much about Billy Joel. I only know like the basics. You're a fan of Billy Joel. Oh, settle in, my child. Is is <laughs> is this the kind of thing that people are talking about when they're saying Billy Joel? The a hundred percent things like the slower portions of this song with the piano twiddles. Yeah. Very Billy Joel esque. Okay. I, I would say. And does it, do you think it appears in the album elsewhere? That kind of. I think every time you hear a sort of twiddle, um, there are there are definitely other songs actually, yeah, that you could you could say have a Billy Joel esque vibe. It's funny because I, considering I am literally obsessed with the music of Billy Joel, um, you would think that I would remember that they had compared it to Billy Joel, but I had actually forgotten mm. they said that. I think I'd focus so much on the fact that I hear so many ABBA references in it. Um, but yeah, no, you, there's definitely. Billy Joel songs are very melodic. Um, there's a lot of piano in them. Obviously. And there's and there's a lot of flourishes, I, I guess, there's, in them. Yeah, there's a lot of flourishes. And also, one thing that you find with Billy Joel is he's quite a chameleon. So if he's decided on a theme, like I'm going to do a song in this theme, he will do it. And it will be like, he has a whole album. I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent. He has a whole album called An Innocent Man. Um, if you haven't heard it, go get it it's amazing um but an innocent man literally came about because he was quite into the sort of 50s doo-wop type songs okay and he was like and i'm trying to think i think it would have been early 80s when this album came out maybe mid 80s and he was like oh nobody makes music like that anymore i'll do a whole album like it and that is where the song uptown girl is from um, the longest time is from that album oh yes the uh, westlife original of uptown girl that he covered of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> don't speak such stuff. <laughs> but yeah, and it literally was him like, right, I wonder if I could do a whole album that sounds like it comes from that time period. And I think he did an incredible job at it. Um, and yeah, 
so that that sort of thing of picking a theme and going, I'm going to go down this road with this. And there's an element of that in certain songs that you you can sort of hear. Oh, they they've wanted to go down this particular like oral yeah. theme, and they've done it. But that's a weird thing because like you know a lot of the sound, the song is kind of that Billy Joel esque mm. uh, up tempo, and then towards the end there's this weird Rush style guitar solo. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like that could come out of like a, a heavy like rock song. Yeah. And it's just feels like it's just been taken out there. Like, oh, let's put let's bung it in this. <laughs> Why not? Maybe that's exactly what happened. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe it's just a, a song where thought, ah, oh, that's not going nowhere. We're not going to have any rockers because there's no rockers on this. Uh, let's no. just let's just bung that guitar solo there. Oh. I like it. I I, I mean, like I said. The first line I find, or the first couple of lines I find bizarrely jarring, and I don't know why. But once you've gotten past it, yeah, I I really like this song. Maybe it is because it's a bit musical theatery. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so on to "Don't Let the Night Divide Us." Now, if I think I found it was a quick prayer, mm-hmm. then this is a full-on congregation, isn't it? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I. I'm not going to talk about the musical side of it yet because um, there is. I know I've said this to you before, but my God, this is. It sounds exactly like an ABBA song, and I can't think what the ABBA song is. Um, and I have gone. I've like literally looked at track listings of ABBA albums, <laughs> trying to be like, is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? I cannot think what it is, but I know it sounds exactly like one. And I spoke to a friend on the phone earlier, and I was like what ABBA song does Don't Let the Night Divide Us sound like? And he's like, oh, God, it really does, and I can't think which one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I said I wasn't going to talk about the music, but I have. Um, <laughs> I love, with, like, a fiery passion, the lyric, Don't Let Those Boys from Eton Suggest That We Are Beaten. I feel like this is almost like a rallying cry. This is almost like, look, we're, we're the good guys. <laughs> Like, let's let's have something to fight for. Let's have something to believe in. Let's dust ourselves down because we've had a long time of really shit things happening, and we need to sort of get together and be like, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a lefty rallying cry, and I really desperately want to hear them do this live. See, that's the thing that the, that line, "Don't let the boys meet him." Mm. At first, on first few listen so far, it almost feels weird because the way they do it musically, the way it's like a bridge to the chorus. Yeah. It, it's quite weird to me, but I think I'll get used to it. But it's just, I don't know, the way the verse starts and then it goes like that, it jolts into that. Yeah, I can, I, yeah, I can understand that. But yeah, it's so cheesy, it's happy clappy. Mm-hmm. The chorus, despite being a slightly off kilter, is brilliant and catchy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I love about it. The fact that it sounds slightly off. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, and I can't I, I, I can't explain why, but it does. It's an odd, it's an odd chord progression. Yeah. And I really love that. Because when music does something that you're not expecting, I'm always like, ooh, that sounded interesting. And that... That, this song definitely does it, but like I said, there is an ABBA song that also does it, and I can't think which one. All right, next song, uh, Diapause, which I think is a deserved centrepiece of the album. I get a really Bowie vibe from this song. Okay. I Every time I hear it, I'm like, I, I feel like it's one of the least traditionally manic sounding songs on the album there's a real ethereal quality to it and it gives me black star vibes okay and i particularly love the lyric i built so many walls to keep these feelings true yeah um i mean we've got to remember like obviously there's been a lot of press about it and fans obviously know about this but a thing that has influenced this album is obviously the death of nikki's parents yes of course and i think like this is one of those songs that shines through with that it, mm. the way it's, it's it's so heartfelt like you know you don't think of Mannix as being like this heartfelt and like almost sincere yeah yeah it's like that line i built so many bridges but not the one that leads to you is mm. it's, it's a lovely line it's a it's a lovely like melody that goes along with it but it's just 
I think it's just Nikki putting things in perspective, isn't it? And yeah, and yeah. realizing what's important in life. And I, I like, I love it. It's and it grows and grows on me every time I listen to it. The way it it's, lists gradually in stages. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely a grower because it's one of those songs that the first time I heard it, like I said, I was driving along, and I was like, oh, this is a bit of a lull. I like it but I'm not, like, blown away. And then the second time I heard it, I was also driving, funnily enough, um, and I I liked it more the second time. And when I heard it the third time, like I said, I've only listened to the album in full three times, but when I heard it the third time, I was like, oh, this is a really pretty, like, Bowie-esque, like, daydreamy one. And with all the, and, and I was starting to th- listen to the words a lot more and take it in. And I, I do think it's going to be one of those ones that really grows yeah. the more to it yeah i get lifeblood vibes from it um mm, there's yeah, like the yeah. subtle lead guitar which merge, merges into an almost music box sound yes which i like it's a real i think that's a really effective way of doing it 100 mm, okay complicated illusions even the answers that i dream are riddled without them Illusions are complicated, redacted and retold. And in the rhythm of your voice, I find space to rejoice. My complicated illusions leave me with no choice. And in the margins of the Me too. Um, on a street from of old bones, dust masquerades as skin is the opening line, and yeah. f- and from that I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I like this. Um, yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about like the drumming and and the sounds because obviously I knew that this was like influenced by like 80s and I knew there'd be synth on it and all that kind of thing. I was worried about the production, yeah. but actually throughout the whole album you can you can hear the musicianship really well. Yes. No, nothing's nothing's crowded out by the simps the simps play along nicely with what's going on mm. and that's what i really like you can hear a band actually playing i mean they could yeah. have been uh, I, I don't think they were because obviously lockdown and stuff they were in the same studio as far as we know but they could have been on the other side of the world but what matters is you can hear it sounds like a band in the same room playing with each other oh, that sounded wrong <laughs> <laughs> i love it when the manics play with each other <laughs> Why is Whip, James's Jelly and Sean's... Oh. Oh, let's not um, go there. I will have to get back to you on that. <laughs> Sean's sword. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just anthemic without posturing, isn't it? It's just, yeah. like, so beautiful. Um, people, I've heard people, like, say this is, like, Autumn Song. I don't get it. I don't get that. Autumn Song is openly cheesy, and this is this is... No, I mean, this is I'm, more I'm gonna, flighty. I'm not going to say I dislike Autumn Song because I don't. I really like Autumn Song. But it's it's very obvious, Autumn Song. And I feel like this is a lot more poetic. Yes. This is a lot more you have to peel back the layers 
Yeah, I think Autumn Song is openly cheesy and openly in your face, isn't it? Mm. And this is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It is so good. It is one of those songs that just, like, on the first listen, it just melts you and go, oh, my God. I'd be amazed if this wasn't a single. Well, I was just going to say, the friend I spoke to on the phone before uh, we started this recording said that he'd heard a rumour that it was going to be the next single. And I said, I bloody hope it is, because it really should be. It's got to be. Uh, Into the Waves of Love. I mean, has there ever been a less manic title? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, we're saying that with more increasing, um, whatever the word is, we're, we're saying that more nowadays, aren't yeah, we? Because it's... Cause it's... Yeah. Um, the opening line, I don't know what it is that I believe in, is incredibly relatable. <laughs> so I do like that. Um, the lyrics to the chorus do feel exceptionally unmanic-y. But I'm not. That's not necessarily a criticism. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. It's one of those songs. You know how there's always like a couple of songs on an album that you don't have a strong feeling about yet. Yeah. When, you, when you're new to it, this is one of them. Um, but what I will say is, the first time I heard it, it was like that sounds really familiar. Then I heard it the second time, and I was like, that still sounds familiar, and I can't place it. And the third time I listened to this song. Listen to it. And oh have God! The year of don't the, don't ruin it. Oh. I'm not going to have the year the year of purification in your head. Okay. Because there is little twiddles and chord changes and a a, a, a little bit of melody that is very similar. Well, that was very REM, wasn't it? And this this kind mm-hmm. of is quite REM as well. Yeah. Um, I think if any of the songs that are filler on this album, then this is it. It's, it, I think the ver- verse is very pedestrian, so is the chorus. And what is weird, like, it unexpectedly breaks out into that Pink Floyd-esque breakdown with a wailing, doesn't it? Yes. I, when it, well, I was like, I was looking at the album notes today and I was like, who does that? I, I couldn't see, I, I could, there probably is one, and maybe I just couldn't find it, but I was looking for, like, wailing by this person. <laughs> <laughs> did did they borrow did they borrow from Bob Marley and the Wailers? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like when you when you listen to it the first time and you hear this ah, in the background and you're like oh. But that's the way. And what's weird is James then joins in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm not anti it, but I was not expecting it. No, it was a complete surprise. But what is even weirder about that moment? As soon as it's done, it's over with. And then they just do one blast of the chorus again and and go immediately. Yeah. Like if 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 that had changed the course of the song and moved it on to somewhere else, I think I would like well, that bit more. It's slightly incongruous because um, to go back to an earlier song, "In Quest for Ancient Color," which I I do like I said really like the ah in the chorus, I would almost expect somebody to do a more complicated ah over the top of that. Hmm. And, and yet it's in this song, so it, it, yeah, it, that sort of made me go, what? <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? It is a little bit of an odd one. Okay, <laughs> Blank Diary Entry. Start singing. I was born <laughs> under a <wandering> star <laughs> because that's how it goes. I do love the fact that Nikki is yet again just being like, "I'm bored. Nothing is going on. Boredom, yay!" Because it's such a, 
it's such a quintessentially manic thing. Like, hey, everyone, let's talk about how life is dull. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I like that about it. This, you saying Into the Waves of Love is like the filler. This is the one that's probably least memorable to me. Okay. Um, it's grown on me already in, in the few listens I've had. Mm. Um, I like I really like the effects and mood of the instrumentation. I was really confused on the first couple of listens, thinking James and Mark Lanigan were doing two different verses. Because mm. it, it takes probably three or four listens for you to realise how it hangs together. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it brings a darker element to the album needed after, you know, what just happened before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I see that. Let's, let's just not discuss what happened before. Um, no. um yeah, I like it. It's, I mean, lyrically, it's quite. This is my truth era, isn't it? And so, mm, so, so suppose so's the next song, and it's quite weird. Yeah, I think that's maybe why I find it one of well, probably one of the least memorable ones because I'm a little bit like it's it. It's a bit odd. <laughs> Yeah, it's odd. But I like that it's odd. Again, it's like doing that thing that's slightly different, isn't it? It's mm, And I think that's, that's all it is. I think I'm I'm so used to sort of, oh, there'll be this kind of verse and then a guitar solo or an anthemic chorus. And this is just slightly... And again, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike that they've done something different. But I find it difficult to bring to mind. I mean, I've only listened to it three times. Yeah, sure. So... Uh, my um, my problem is I do think he's saying black diarrhea entry. So no, oh, no so no wonder Mark Lanigan is sounding so unhappy. He needs laxatives. Oh dear! Well, he doesn't if he's having black diarrhea. Right? <laughs> he needs he needs um, emodium. Emodium. Captain's log. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That's his blank diary entry. But Captain's log. Oh. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yes, please. Uh, I am happy, I am bored, I am alone. I really like this one, and I feel like it's positioned well on the album because the previous song is quite sort of slow, well, it's slower, and it, it's that sort of like lull. And then you have a lift, and um, because I heard it for the first time when I was driving, and the second time when I was driving, I it, it's a very good song to drive to, I can clarify. Um, I liked it instantly. I like it more as I've heard it more times, and I think there's something very manicy in the fact that they that James sounds unashamedly joyous as he sings. I am happy. I am yeah. happy. I am bored. bored. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so manic. Yes, boredom's it... bloody freaking great. <laughs> yeah, it's so manic. It's like it's such a weird. Like I love the messy guitar at the beginning. Yeah. And in fact, this song just does not mess about. It just—it's like here's the verse, here's the chorus, and I'm shouting, shouting about being alone, yeah, but in a really happy way. It—it's just weird. It's just it's instant, instantly catchy. Yeah. And not it's many really bands catchy. could do that. Like you know, not many bands could just have a chorus like that, and it'd be like almost unifying. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. Um. Yeah. Again, it's, it's boredom, isn't it? It's Nicky. It is. And I think there's, I know they, when they were giving interviews, um, both James and Nikki said, oh, we're not, you know, it's, we, we tried to avoid doing sort of COVID references, but it's very easy to sort of hear blank diary entry and think, well, we all had those for a year. Yeah. <laughs> and then to, to hear Happy Board Alone and think, actually, you, you know, we've all been bored, we've all been alone, but you can find a little nugget of, joy in it um it's I, I almost feel like it's it, those two go really well together those songs i'm really pleased that they're next to each other on the album yeah that's true actually they do work well together yeah yeah what a strange band <laughs> they are a strange <laughs> band okay last song after ending From below. 
true actually that's true you know nothing that i'm like oh next time i listen to this i'm just going to skip that one um so i remember getting to the end of the album the first time and being like well then, well well done manix because it's it's not an easy thing to put out you know 10 11 12 songs where all of them are decent you know and i'm most i'm very biased so most manix albums i'm like Yes, I will listen to it all because I love all of their songs. But, um, you know, I, I would be a liar if I said I absolutely loved every song they've ever released. Because that would, you know, it, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and it would also be a bit weird. It would also be a bit weird. It would mean I had absolutely no, you know, judgmental yeah. skills. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I like it. But it's like one of those, I think I need to listen to it a few more times before I can say much more than... I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. It it's it's anthemic, mm. but I think in the same sense, but maybe not quite as effective as Diapause is. It it, yeah. it it's got that same kind of feel to it. Um, as you were saying, like about like alluding to COVID and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes with these things, it can be very easy to read into a lyric and go, oh well, that's about COVID and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And some of it might not be because like we say Nikki does write about that kind of thing quite a lot Absolutely. but I think this kind of is I think this is yeah. about the coronavirus and the government but it's it's kind of punching with I don't know bubble wrap on its hands it's like mm. it's like having a little poke but not doing much like we crap for a crumb uh, crap <laughs> we, we did not crap okay? no the, the, no the emodiums kicked in <laughs> we cla- we clap for a crumbling state yeah. And, oh, there, yeah. there are like refer- references dotted throughout that you know are probably quite clearly yeah, about absolutely. the last you know eighteen or so months. And you've got to remember, like the recording of this album was done mostly done during between lockdowns, and they had to stop sometimes because yeah, of. I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I cannot imagine how you could be an, a creative person in any way, shape, or form, and not not feel some form of influence. Uh, from what's happened in the last year and a half pretty much nobody has ever lived through something like this in our lifetimes you know so how can you not be influenced by it to a certain degree so i'm absolutely certain there's elements of what's happened in the last year and a half in a lot of these songs whether it's overt or not yeah absolutely um okay so uh overall impressions then after the first few listens I'm really, really pleased with it. I, I feel like, like I said earlier, it is the first time the Manics have gone, right, well, we've done an album and it sounds like this, where I've gone, yes, it bloody does. Um, because normally, you know, there's so many different like re- references that they, they bring out, and I, I'm not, whether, they, whether it actually does sound like that, and I just don't know what they're refer- referring to well enough to say, yes, it does. Maybe it's because they reference ABBA, and I know ABBA very well. Not personally. <laughs> Hi Bjorn, hi. Um, but no, I. I am I good. That's that me oh, being Bjorn. I'm so pleased. I love your new songs, by the way. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why I'm sounding German. Yes, you are sounding a bit German. <laughs> um, but no, it's the first time I've heard like a Manix album going. Yes, I absolutely hear every single influence, and it's been done in a really, really nice way, and. It is, it's polished, it's anthemic, it's not overproduced. Like you said, there's certain songs, and um, Complicated Illusions is, is the main one that jumped out at me, but there's certain songs where I can hear the drums yeah. so 
crystal clear. And it's and the bass as well. Nicky's bass playing over the years has gotten so good. You know, he does these little pre-chorus hooks and things now, and I'm like, blimey. <laughs> That's really, really good. I mean, I, I can't play guitar to save my life. That's incredibly impressive to me. So it's the sound to me of a band who still bloody love what they do and still love playing with each other. Um, <laughs> and I, there's something just really uplifting about that. There's something really and anthemic about a lot of the choruses there's something very soaring about it and i'm very here for that yeah um yeah i when we were told like obviously this is the first manix album to be written largely on piano Mm. it's difficult to gauge what that exactly means until you hear it in full because obviously that has had a big effect on the instrumentation like you say little flourishes here and there and like almost a musical number here so it's had you know you hear those things in interviews and you think oh well yeah but what does that mean and it has come to fruition on this album it is like you say all the things that they said are pretty much true absolutely although i'm still not with retro futurism (laughs) yeah that's a that's a term that um it's a bit nothing but... but yeah I, I hear a lot of Manix albums in there like I hear a bit of Resistance is Futile Postcards yeah, Life Blood postcards. there's definitely Resistance is Futile I'm even getting little bits of Send Away the Tigers yeah yeah because I guess it's so catchy I, I, I guess in places Ooh. but like where it is like Life Blood in a way Life Blood was very Know, glacial and, and winter a perfect companion mm. for winter this is more autumnal and bright yeah. i suppose yeah but i, well, I like and that's probably why it reflects in the cover as well because it's the beach and it's the sun shining despite some comparisons to past albums trying to work out it i think this has enough of an identity to stand mm. out like my problem with Res- resistance is futile is it didn't have enough of an identity yeah and i think I, this I, does I can I can understand that and I it's I'm gonna sneeze I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it went away. It sounded like it you stood gone. on a nail. <laughs> oh, there you go. It came back. I'm so sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. <laughs> Please don't. I I know people just subscribe for the sneeze content. <laughs> um, no, I there's. There is a there's a definite style to it, and there's a, a sound that is very this album, and I you don't always get that with everything. Sometimes it is like, well, this song could have been on this album, it could have been on that album, and I, while I can hear, like you said, I can hear elements of other albums on some of the songs. To me, I just like the way it fits together. I like the way it feels like it tells a story, and has a a meaningful progression from track one to track 11 and i'm just i'm just really enjoying it sometimes when you hear a new album and i'm not just talking about the manics now just like any new album and it takes a while to sort of like it and and for it to bed in and you're sort of like well i'll listen to that again you know in a couple of days but i have listened to it every day since I got it yeah. and it's like I'm not bored of listening to it and next time I get in the car and go on a, a journey of longer than sort of five minutes I'm going to put it on again so that must say something all on its own yeah absolutely and as someone who enjoys the band most when they're being like divisive or weird mm. um, and there, there is weirdness on here um, some of the the album falls into a bit of the middle of the road but I, but the problem, the thing is, the the songs are too good to be just dismissed as that because they are strong songs, and the album as a whole is stronger than I was expecting because, from the interviews, from the singles, I I I wasn't going into it with fevered expectation. I wasn't like pumped up for it. Yeah. So so it has quietly surprised me. Well, I'm very glad. <laughs> I'm glad it has. Yeah. Because I feel like. It's a difficult one because whenever the Manics release a new album, <clears throat> I feel like there is a certain faction of fandom that's like, come on, release the Holy Bible 2 or, let you know, release Generation Terrorists 2. And I'm like, well, they're not going to because they're in a very different place in their lives. They're, they're, that was a damn 
long time ago. Mm. <laughs> you know, those albums. And I do feel like there are still people who are like, oh no, this is too, it could be played on the radio. And I mean, this goes into... They've always been played on the radio. Exactly. And, I, I, and I'm like, I don't like this sort of precious thing. And I really, as you know, have always had a massive issue with people who are shitty about pop music. And although I wouldn't necessarily clarify, uh, classify, should I say, anything from this album as just like pop as such, there's elements of it. Like, Don't Let the Night Divide Us has definitely got a poppy element to it because it sounds like ABBA, you know. And I feel like there are always going to be some critics who are going to go, and that's within the fandom and outside of the fandom, who are going to go, no, it's too shiny, it's too this, it's too, you know. And I think, well, actually... That's something that the Manics have honed. And I feel like from, right from, like, everything must go. And before then, really, if you look at songs on um, Gold Against the Soul, they were using strings, mm. you know, and things like that. But certainly since Everything Must Go, they have had this, like, knack for let's make something really anthemic, let's have a chorus that really soars, that everybody can sort of sing along with. And if that's what they want to be then I'm really pleased that they've found a way of doing it well and they do it consistently well. And I think this album fits with that whole let's be anthemic, let's soar thing that they've got going on. Agreed. It's beautiful, strange, and at times frustrating, but that's the manics, isn't it, really? Um, 100%. I think I think these a lot of these songs will grow in stature over the years at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay, we'll have a little, before we go, a little feedback from... The Spods. Ooh. Okay, Simon Reed. Sean is on excellent form throughout. Lots of his playing jumped out at me on the first few listens. Still, there you go. Yeah, still struggling to warm to Orwellian, but otherwise I think it's great. A cohesive album that tries many new things. For both those reasons, a major improvement on Riff. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, he also says, Still Snowing Sapporo is their best opening track in a long time. I love that song so much. Diapause is another highlight for me. New ground for them and the trickiest one to attempt live, but I hope they do it. Really love that guitar solo followed by an equally gorgeous keyboard one. Mm. Black Square. Blank Diary entry, Diapause and Quest Range in Colour are my current faves. Really strong and cohesive album, Perfect for Autumn. There you go, these guys are agreeing with us. Yeah, they are. Barry. A uh, couple of good songs, Still Snowing Sapporo and Diapause. I listened to it three to four times on Friday and yesterday morning, but already feel no need to return to it. Absolutely nothing on it, which I am looking forward to hearing live. Bit gutted, really. Oh, that's a shame. Karen Davies. Uh, Still Snowing joins a select list of two songs that gives me a reflex action goose pumps. Your Love Alone is the other one. Enough said. Wow. I just, I absolutely love Still Snowing for it. I absolutely flipping adore it. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to grow on me. Uh, Gemma Robson, Manix the Musical. Two <laughs> in-depth de- in listens, a few huge surprises, and that's the Manix for you. Loving the first two thirds of the album, Don't Let the Night Divide Us, brings a tear to the eye and makes me feel proud to be a Manix fan. Yeah. I'm with her. Uh, Jake, on my third n- listen now, initially, I'll be honest, was underwhelmed, but my God, it's building now. I think a lot of them are going to be growers. Yeah. Growers, not showers. Growers, not showers. Uh, Stephen Lee Nash, who has, we've interviewed for this podcast, Gen- uh-huh. generally over underwhelmed, but I feel there's more going on on this record than what can be heard on first listen. Uh, yeah, I definitely think, because I wouldn't... Like I said, there were certain songs which on first listen I was a bit like, hmm. And now I hear them and I'm like, oh, ooh. So, yeah, I mean, I'm making a lot of noises, but... <laughs> I get I get what the noises mean, it's fine. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Teen Word Power. If a largely piano-based album consisting of multiple impressions of ABBA, as well as the closest the band has ever come to making jazz music, didn't claim its rightful position as my favourite Manics album since Postcards, then there would be stern questions. So I think he liked it. Excellent review. I like that. Uh, James Brown. After a few listens, it really grows on you. A joyous, wonderful album. Yeah, I'm. I'm loving that everybody is like, yeah. You need to give it a few, a few plays. 
Synth Man Wales, Lifeblood 2, then that is a good thing. I think it's a good thing as well. People criticise Lifeblood. I flipping love Lifeblood. And Ed Suffield, last one. And this is not a good note to end on. Oh, no. Instantly forgettable. <gasps> I mean, there's maybe two songs that I currently couldn't tell you how they go because I've forgotten. <laughs> Don't so prove his point. <laughs> Literally, it's it's only because I, the other ones are so memorable. Yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you. Um, okay, you can contact us and find us on the internet at Manic Street Speakers on Facebook and Instagram and MSP underscore pod on Twitter. Or you can email us at mspod1 at gmail.com. Um, don't know what the next episode is going to be, to be honest, because we keep meaning to do an Everything Must Go episode. But Ooh. but life gets in the way. It does get in the way. Oh, now I've got Life Got Cold by Girls Aloud. Girls Aloud in my head. Yeah. That's not a good note to end on, mate. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so we're, we're ending on someone who's died recently and instantly <laughs> and instantly forgettable. No, it's not instantly forgettable. <laughs> I just couldn't remember how Blank Diary actually went through uh, it. And I, I've remembered now. Okay, so we will do an Everything Must Go episode at one stage. Um, obviously, we'll cover the tour a bit when it kicks off. Yes. But until next time... We love you one time, we love you two times, we love you three fucking times. Get pissed, destroy. Bye!